Welcome to the Flourish Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Suck. I'm so glad you're joining me today. On this podcast, you're going to hear messages that will challenge you to live out the purpose that God has created for you. I will always tell you, you were created on purpose, for a purpose, to impact the kingdom. And that's exactly what you will hear today. Um, I wanted to talk for a few minutes. We're going to do things a little bit different um, than we have in the past. If you saw our Instagram story today, um, you saw that, and if you've seen up here, there's places, but it's just me right now. I'm going to have a few people join me in a few minutes, and we're going to, they're going to share bits of their stories because our testimonies matter, and they help change other people's lives, and they give other people encouragement. So I wanted you to hear from some ladies that are near and dear to me, but I'm going to open with a few things. Um, I want to talk about promises and believing in the promise that God has for each one of us. And I was, I was thinking about this and praying about it. I was I started thinking about all the crazy things that we believe in, okay? One of the craziest things that I think we believe in is Spanx. Like, does anybody like put on their Spanx? <laughs> believing, believing that it's gonna make you look so good. And it might make you look good for a minute, but then you're gonna get home and you'll be like, <laughs> and if, I'll just be real with you. I put on a pair of Spanx, I walk up to this church and in 10 minutes, they're like rolling down. And then there's like, like stuff hanging over because they're, they're cutting my circulation off. But we believe in things like Spanx, like they're gonna make us skinny all of a sudden. Or one of the craziest things that I believe in, and maybe it's just because I haven't bought a good one, but I believe in nonstick pans. Like does anybody like, oh, this is gonna be the pan that like, that is, my eggs are just gonna slide right off of that. That never, that never happens. And this is the best one, I think. But we believe in the newest thing called hyaluronic acid. Has, everybody, has anybody heard the commercial? The hyaluronic acid, it's got it. It's going to make your wrinkles go away, right? But the real truth is, is we know the only thing that makes our wrinkles go away is Botox. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kind of. Botox makes, does make your wrinkles go away. I don't know if it does other things. But here's the thing is we believe in all kinds of things. We hear something, we're like, oh, that sounds good. That looks good. That might work. I, I believe that could work for me. But when it comes to God's promises for you and for your life and for your family, we start to struggle. We don't just believe like we believe in that retinol cream. When God says something, he means it. And he means and he intends for it to come to pass. He has good promises for each one of you and for your families. For every part of your life, he has promises that before you were even born, when he formed you in your mother's room, he had promises and destiny placed on your life that he wants to fulfill in each one of our lives. But when he speaks them to us, we sometimes are like, yeah, I believe that. But then when push comes to shove, we get a little bit nervous and we start doubting. Promises will come true, but we have to have faith and we have to believe and we have to trust that he will make good of his word. Sometimes maybe we feel like we're not deserving or we've done something to screw this whole thing up, which I've been there, or, or we, maybe we just don't know what the promises are that he has for us. Either way, we sort of just lack this sort of oomph to really believe that he's going to make good on his word that he has spoken over your life. But this is one thing that we know is that when God says something, he will make good on his word because he is not man that he should lie. 
It tells us in Numbers and in Titus and in Hebrews that God cannot lie. So when he formed you and he created you with a promise and with purpose and with destiny, that is not a lie. It's not a lie. So we can take it to the bank. We can believe 100% that he will make good on his word. It says in Isaiah 55, 11, so my word will be that that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me in vain, but it will accomplish what I intend and succeed for it to do. When we read the scriptures and these promises, it will intend what it will go out and do what it's supposed to do. If he said it, he will perform it. But here's the thing. When, when there's these promises given to us and spoken over our lives and God says, I want to do this in your life and I have this purpose and this promise and this destiny for you, we can't just sit there and be like, okay, like a genie in a bottle. Thank you, God. Let's make this happen. There's action required on our part. It's not like, oh, hey, he said, I'm going to dream this and it's going to happen. There's, some, there's things that we have to do believing that he's going to make good on his word is active. So there's action on our part when it comes to the promises and the purpose that he has for each one of us. With these promises, there will be instruction, things that we have to do. We have to obey his word and the things that he instructs us to do if we want to see the promises in our life and in our family and in our finances. All those things, all those areas, emotionally, mentally, physically, relationally, all those areas, if we want to see those promises come to pass, there's obedience required on our part. See, there's this wonderful story in um, the book of Joshua. I'm going to tell two parts of the book of Joshua. The first part is Joshua and Israelites. And God had brought the Israelites out of Egypt. And then they spent a great deal of time in the, in, in the desert. And then God says, okay, it's time to go into the promised land. Okay? But he says, I need you to do some things for me. And he asked Joshua to have the Israelites cross over the Jordan a very, a, a very specific way and to build these altars, and then they all needed to be circumcised before they could enter into the promised land. There was an act of obedience for the Israelites and for Joshua so that they could enter into the promise that God had for them, so they could enter into their destiny. And it seemed kind of strange for them to have to be circumcised and to build these 12 stones in, in the middle of the Jordan and these 12 stone altar on the outside, but there was an act of obedience. And when they started to be obedient to what he said, the, the, the kings around them started to have fear, and they started to, it says the scriptures, their hearts started to melt. They had no spirit left within them. And so when we're obedient, and we may not see and understand why God's asking us to do something, and it seems sort of odd in a fulfillment of the promise, we have to know that he's still working, and when our obedience, we're focused on our obedience, he's doing the other parts to prepare our promise. And then, a little bit further in there, you have, you have Rahab. Rahab, she, um, if, you've, if you've read her at all, if you haven't, I would encourage you to go to the book of Joshua and read her. She's a magnificent story, but she was a harlot in Jericho, and that was the first place that the Israelites were headed to defeat in their promised land. But she had helped the spies in Israel, and they had, she had said, please save me and my family. And they said, if you hang a red cord in the window of your home, we will save you when we come to defeat Jericho. And so her act of obedience for her redemption and to fulfill the promise that God had for her because she became the lineage of Jesus himself 
to fulfill that, she re it required obedience. She had to wait there. She had to hang a cord in her, in her window, and she had to sit there and wait while people marched around and the walls came tumbling down. And she had to sit there and just wait and wait and wait and wait and remain obedient so that she could fulfill the promise, so that the promise could be fulfilled in her that God had for her. There's an act of obedience required of us. And that obedience often requires surrender. We have to surrender what we think it should look like or what, it sh or what we hoped it would look like. Or we, I don't really want to have to, Joshua, I'm sure it was like, I don't really want to have to circumcise all these people. I mean, I can't imagine that being exciting. But he had to let go of what he thought it might be good or what it should look like and say, okay, come hell or high water, I'm going to obey because I'm going to see the promise. We have to make up our mind that we're going to obey and that we're going to surrender whatever we think it should be or what it should look like so that we can get the promise and live in the destiny that he has called us to live in. There's a couple of things that we can see that Joshua and Rahab did not do, though. Neither one of them stressed out, or didn't, we didn't read that they did, and neither one of them started striving. I think too often... We have these promises that God puts on our hearts and on our minds and in our lives and in our family, and then we start stressing out about them. We're so like, oh God, how are we going to make this happen? How are we going to make, we are going to make this happen. Like he's going to make it happen and I'm going to do what he says. I start stressing out like, oh God, you called me, like you know, most of you know he called me to write a book. I wrote a book, oh God, call me to write a book. What am I going to do? Well, I'm not going to sit here and stress about it. That's not going to get me anywhere. That's just going to make me sick because stress physically makes you impaired. It makes you sick, right? So when we start stressing, we're alone in our immune system and we're making ourselves physically ill so that we're not doing ourselves any good. So Rahab, I don't think it would have done her any good to sit there and stress out about this. Or we start striving, we start working extra hard, doing all the busy things, being real busy, and not getting anything accomplished. We start striving like we're trying to please God with all these things. When he didn't say do all these things, he said do the one thing. Stay in your, stay in your house. Hang the red cord. She didn't need to go doing all the other things. She had to do the thing. And we start striving, we're doing all these things. God didn't call us to do that. It doesn't change the fact. She could have done all the things it wouldn't have changed the fact of how he redeemed her and how he saved her. We're called to surrender and obey, do the thing that he's asked us to do, to see the promise fulfilled. John chapter 19 is the chapter where Jesus is facing Pilate um, to be executed, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens in John chapter 9 leading up to Jesus' crucifixion and his death. But there's a phrase that's repeated in this chapter multiple times, and it's, it says this, it says something to the effect of, it happened in order to fulfill. These things in John chapter 19 happened in order to fulfill prophecy and words that had been spoken about Jesus thousands of years earlier. Like I said, there had been words spoken over you by God when he formed you years ago, and he wants to fulfill them. But there's going to be some things that happen in order to fulfill the purpose and promises he has for you. See, there's over 300 pro prophecies or, prom or words about what Jesus would come and do to fulfill, and every single one of them happened. But Jesus had to surrender and obey and follow exactly what the Father said to do. And he did that to save each one of us. So if God can speak 
over 300 prophecies into place, and then thousand years later, Jesus fulfilled them, what do you think he can do in your life? He will make good on the promises he has spoken over each one of you. They will come to pass, but there is an act of surrender and obedience on our behalf. I mean, sometimes we're so stressed out about how this whole world, this world's gone, lost its ever-loving mind at times. And we're like, oh, gosh, we start stressing out about it. Like, oh, God, what are we going to do? Again, we are not going to do anything. We're going to, we, I'm going to obey. He's going to do all the things, right? But if he can take this scripture right here, this first part of it, right, all these 300 prophecies and Jesus fulfill them in this section, then that means this back section, this revelation part, has to be true. That means we win. We, have to, we can stop worrying about it. Stop stress. His promises are, are going to come to pass if we remain obedient to what he says. So quit worrying about how this world's going to turn out. It's going to be fine as long as you're on his side. His promises are good, and they are for you. They're for you to prosper and succeed in every area of your life, for you to be abundant. But we have to remain obedient and we have to have a heart of surrender with that being said i'm going to have three wonderful ladies come up i'm going to have my mom jan come up one of my good friends adina and a mentor adina and adina was here this time last year if you were here and then i'm going to have sherry taylor come up who is like another mother to me um, which is also you know my good friend lindsay that's sherry is lindsay's mother and I, Adina's in town from Arizona here, and so I'm so glad that she could join us tonight. But I, um, talking about promises and things coming to pass and remaining obedient when things didn't, you didn't know how, we were like, he said this, but it doesn't really look like it's happening. Right. But we're going to remain obedient in the process, and we're going to have a surrendered heart all three of these ladies have experienced that, either in their salvation or in their families and their personal lives in various ways. And I wanted each one of them to share a little bit about a promise or something that God spoken to them that, you know, that was a struggle, that you had to remain obedient and faithful and surrendered and learn how to quit stressing out about it because he's got this. Um, I wanted them to share a little bit to encourage you because they each have beautiful stories. It's easy to look at these women and be like, they're beautiful, they got it all together, but they've, they've all got stories um, that their faith has been tested in the fire. And, and so I want them to share. Mom, will you start? Oh, you have a, you have a mint in your mouth? Um, Mom, is there a microphone right there? Do okay. That's fine. Do you want Sherry to start? Oh. There you go. You just, you just spit that thing right out. It's all good. Wow, when Morgan asked me to um, share something, my mind starts going crazy because God has done so much in my life over the years. But one of the things that I know, and you know too, that we are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. And so anytime I get an opportunity to share anything that God has done for me, 
um, and uh, seeing a promise fulfilled in my life, I want to share that, and I want to take that opportunity. Um, you know, I was, I was raised in church. I'm going to try to make this really short, I promise. I was raised in church. Mom took us to church, and, man, she just, I mean, we were there all the time. And I gave my heart to Jesus when I was six. I mean, genuine, I meant everything. I loved Jesus more than anything. I loved Jesus. And then when I was nine years old, I, I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I mean, like, full-blown, speaking in tongues like I was an adult, okay? And, um, but shortly after that, I had some things happen in my life that just stunk, okay? It was bad. It was horrible. And I knew then that God... Even at 10 years old, I knew that God had a plan and a purpose for my life. And even though some things had happened that were hard, and, and uh, I maybe not didn't handle them the way I should have as I got older, I knew that God had called me for a purpose and a plan, and it was going to be great. Um, as I got older, I turned my back on God. And I got messed up, I will tell you, messed up in this world. And... I mean, I, I was on drugs. I was all of those things. Um, Pastor Mark and I got married at a very young age, at 18. Uh, neither one of us were living for the Lord at the time. It wasn't but maybe two or three years after we got married that I was, I was spinning out of control because I had almost died several times. And <laughs> it was like, okay, I've got to get my life together. I have children. And I rededicated my life back to the Lord when I was 23. And uh, God promised to me then that me and my kids were going to be okay. And I stood on those scriptures that he had given me in Isaiah 43. Um, but at that time, Pastor Mark had not decided to make the same decision I did. And he was, um, he was struggling. And he was, um, you know, I mean, he was just a full-blown alcoholic. And, um, but you know what? I knew that God was going to bring him back and one morning in a crazy prayer meeting that I used to go to with all the old ladies in the church and my pastor's wife at that time spoke over me and I knew it was directly from God and she said this time next year your husband is going to be our youth pastor well I should have said hallelujah but at that time <laughs> I was like, in my mind, I thought, well, she's crazy. Does she not know the hell that I am living through right now? Does she not know? How could she say something like that and be so insensitive? But I will tell you, ladies, one year later, my husband and I were the youth pastors of that church. Mark has never turned back and never looked back. God completely delivered him. But I'm going to tell you, that journey wasn't easy. I held on to that promise. I, I knew it was from God. And I held on to that promise. And, I, and I, I might not have done everything right every day, but I continued to hang on to that promise and know that God, God had spoken and it was going to happen. I'm going to fast forward just a little bit in that. Um, we, we remained youth pastors there. We loved our church. We enjoyed life. Mark... Uh, we had a successful insurance business. We, we loved life and we loved what we were doing. And then all of a sudden, God decides he's going to call us into full-time ministry. I'm like, um, what does that mean? I mean, exactly what does that mean? What that meant for us is God says, I want you 
to leave the town that you've been in your whole life. I want you to just move away, and I'm one step at a time, I'm gonna tell you what you're gonna do. A year later, we walked away, we drove away from West Texas, our business, everything, and had no idea what we were gonna do. It wasn't long after that, and it literally God told us step by step what to do. We did everything by a walk of faith. It wasn't easy. I had no idea how we were gonna live, how we were gonna make money. I had no idea. But every day God supplied, every day. And to this day, God has supplied and, and has taken care of us. And had we not taken that leap of faith and that step of faith and obeyed God, we wouldn't be here where we're at today. God didn't tell us then that we were going to plant a church and we were going to be a pastor of a church because we probably would have never left. But he, he took a step by step by step. And ladies, I say every bit of this to encourage you that it does not matter what he says to do. If he says it, he's going to fulfill it. He that has begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, I think it's 2 Corinthians. All of his promises are yes and amen. He's the yes. We're the amen. Okay? He's the yes. Now, we, and like Morgan was saying earlier, we have to do our part. We can't just sit back and say, okay. I mean, I've tried it. It doesn't work. <laughs> it just prolongs everything. Prolongs everything. And so his promises are yes and amen. The amen is our part. So it, let's get going. Let's do what he's called us to do to fulfill the promises that he has for us. I promise you, ladies, he is no respecter of person. He has a plan. He has a purpose, and it is good. It's good because he is a good father. Um, one thing that I was going to say that she, I know that she probably meant to say was in that year time of after pastor's wife, you know, speaking that word over her and my dad, was she still remained obedient and faithful in that time of praying and fasting and continuing to go to church. And even when it didn't look like my dad was going to make that turnaround, she continued to remain obedient and faithful among that. Just like when they took that leap of faith to leave, um, everything and, and start the journey of full-time ministry. Um, and so I want Sherry to share, to share next. Um, yeah, Sherry's like another, another mom to me and they have many promises that I know that God's spoken over them and their family. And so she's going to share one of those with her, with us. First of all, this is not my comfort zone because you are not ages four through 12. <laughs> Cause we taught children's church for years and that is my comfort zone. Although you're very beautiful and look very young, you do not look 12. And my heart is beating out of my body. Um, you know, I'm a crier, so you better hope I don't cry. Um, I think about the promises of God. The first person to teach me about what a promise was, was my daddy. Because when I was growing up, and I would ask for something or need something or whatever or want to do something. I'd say, 
do you promise, Daddy? And sometimes he'd say, maybe, and that pretty much was, we all know what that means, that ain't going to happen. But if my daddy said, I promise, I tell you something, it was going to happen. Whatever he had to do, my daddy would do everything he could to make it happen. And I think my dad taught me that valuable lesson because he knew that someday I would have to be trusting in a spiritual father. I would have to be trusting in God. I'd have to know what his promises meant. And just as my daddy's promises were true, he wanted me to understand that God's promises were true. And so I was raised in the church like Jan and raised in a preacher's home. And I was fortunate enough to, um, you know, marry a Christian man and raise my family. But a huge struggle hit my life, a 13-year struggle. My son fell into drug addiction and sexual perversion, and um, it was a 13-year battle. I'm shaking. And it was one of the hardest times in my life because I really had to dig deep and find out, you know, what were God's promises? What did he say? What will he do? And why did this happen to me? I did the right things or I thought I did. And um, I remember grabbing all those verses that we know, train up a child in the way he should go, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart, you know, wait on the Lord, all those things. But I will tell you the truth, I was a wreck. I was a total wreck. I was trying really hard and I loved God and I, I, I stayed faithful to God because I knew my only hope was God. My only hope was God. And so during that time, there was two people during those 13 years that spoke a promise to me and gave me a scripture. And the first person, it was, I was at a camp meeting and this lady came up to me and she said, the Lord told me to give you a word. And I said, okay. She said, the Lord said that he's going to restore what the locust took. And um, I said, okay. Well, if any of you know much about locusts, I looked it up. And the first time that the locust is mentioned in the Bible that I found was in Exodus. When Moses went and, and he told Pharaoh, hey, I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to. God's going to send the locusts and they're going to devastate and they're going to eat up everything. So that usually meant devastation, terrible things. But God was going to restore what the locusts took. And I can tell you there was devastation in our life. And there was devastation in my son's life. And then a few years later, I'm still in this 13-year battle. Another person, I came home from church one night and I will tell you it was just a really bad night. It was a bad night. I could go into so many stories, but just a bad night. It had been a very trying day with our son. And, and I drove into the driveway, and there were some people sitting in the car in my driveway. And I saw them. I went, oh, God. Oh, no, please, Lord. Please, I do not want to talk to anybody. And they got out of the car, and they came. And it was somebody unexpected, somebody, honestly, that take this right. I really wouldn't have thought they had a word for me, you know? And so they came up to me and said, the Lord sent me out here to give you a word. I said, okay. He said, he's going to restore what the locust took. And I said, wow, okay. So I got to looking in Joel and, and where that scripture is given. And in that day, um, Israel and Judah had turned their back on God. 
they had lost all the blessings of God. Because let me tell you something, when you walk in disobedience, God's not obligated to bless you. And my son was in total disobedience. And, and Joel, the prophet, had told them, if you will fast and you will pray and you will turn back, God will restore everything he has taken from you. And so I got to thinking about that. And I discovered during all that time that I was suffering so that I had a whole bunch of people that were praying with me and praying for my son. I will tell you something, when you're going through that and you're waiting for a promise to happen, you need a body of believers. You need friends who believe in Jesus. You need people to lift you up. And I will tell you, I had that. And I am so grateful that God put those people in my life. But anyway, not long after that second time that the Lord during those 13 years gave me that scripture, my son gave his life to Jesus. And most of y'all know who that is. That's Chris Taylor. He, he turned his life around. He totally committed himself to God. And God restored what the locusts took. He restored his health. He restored his looks. Because let me tell you something. He looked awful. He looked awful. If y'all could see a picture of what he looked like back then. And I think he's just doggone cute now. You have to admit he's pretty cute. He gave him a beautiful family. He gave him a lovely life. He put him in the ministry. And I got to thinking, oh, and I have a granddaughter too. And I have another promise on the way. But I, have to, I got to thinking about the locust. Have any of y'all ever um, found a dead locust and picked it up? If you have, raise your hand. What happens when you pick it up? It falls apart. Have you ever noticed it just falls apart like ashes in your hand? And, and you know, oh, and she's going, oh, gross, you picked up a bug. Uh, and, and it does, it just falls apart. And I thought about that, you know, when the Lord came and he killed that sin, that locust, when he stored my son, it was just like ashes. It just all went away. And it is forever. What God does is forever. So I just thank the Lord that he did for that for me. And I'm sorry, there's a words of a song that, if it's okay, I wanted to read to you. You're going to recognize it, I think, because I love this song. No, I think I did need help. You better pray I see it. That's the problem. I'm not going to sing it yet. It says, I don't believe in fairy tales. I guess I've outgrown them. But that doesn't mean that I don't believe that there's something bigger than me because I've seen it in a hospital room when the doctor said sorry there's nothing more we can do well it wasn't true I've never seen a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow but I've got a promise I can hold in the midst of a struggle God if you said it you'll perform it may not be how I want you to do it but here's what I'll do What's the next words? I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on you. I've tasted your goodness. I'll trust in your promise. Sing it. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on you. And I guess if I could say anything to you tonight, I will tell you 
that God is so faithful. God is so faithful. And whatever you're waiting on, whatever you're waiting on, when he performs it all that wait time will just seem like nothing. All you can see is the goodness of the Lord. And I love him and I'm thankful that he can do anything. Anything he's told you he will do, he will do. Thank you so much for sharing that, Sherry. Um, I, I watched from the sidelines Sherry and Tommy walk through parts of that um, and the way that they stayed faithful and obedient among the struggle um, forever impacted my life. And, and that's why it's important that we hear and see these stories because they give us encouragement to know that somebody's made it through what seemed impossible. So thank you for sharing that. And lastly, I would love for my dear friend Adina to share. Amen. Can you guys hear me? Amen. So good to be here tonight. You know, I was thinking about promises, and it kind of reminded me of my daughter, and she always did this pinky promise, you know, and she'd stick out her finger, and I'd grab it, and I'd say, pinky promise, you know, and, and sometimes things would get in the way, and or I had to work, and that promise was broken. And so I remember, you know, as she grew up, she would say to her friends, pinky promise and swear to God. And they would say, I swear to God, you know, that made the promise more real, more valuable. And one of the scriptures I was reading that, that really blew my mind when God said, I swear to myself, he said. We swear to God. But he said, I swear to myself. And so when I read that scripture, his promises became so real to me. Because he didn't say, I swear to God. He said, I swear to myself. I mean, that's powerful to me. And as I read that scripture, you know, I can remember I was coming. Um, many of you know that I had a near-death experience where I was in a coma for two weeks and I had a heaven experience. But one of the things that people don't know, that there was a process for me to receive my complete and total healing. The word of the Lord over my life from my husband was the Lord told me not only would he heal you, but you would be better than you were before. And I was like, okay, Lord, better than I was before. Mm -hmm. And so I stood on that word. And one of the things that many people don't know is that I still have a hole in my brain. There were two holes in my brain. One healed and the other one is still open. And so as the doctors look in and they say, what in the world is this hole? Because that hole controls my memory and it holds my memory skills, like my motor skills, how I move. And so I would say, Lord, I'm a pastor. How can I preach when I can't remember the word? How can I stand before people when I can't remember what you just said to me five minutes ago? See, so you sit here and you look at me and you think, oh, she's so together. Her hair is coiffed, her, her clothes look good, you know, and I'm just sitting up here with it all together. But really what's happening is every time I grab the mic, I'm holding on to the promise of God. He said to me, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
And as I'm holding the mic saying, Lord, what am I going to say? He tells me, daughter, what have I promised you? That you will never leave me, daddy. And you will never forsake me. And so there have been times where I've gone to the stage and I'm like, Lord, I have no idea what we're talking about. But I remember your promise. And so one of the other promises is that the word will come up. And as I need the word, it begins to come up out of me. And so I'm like, oh, you are not a man that you would lie. The word is coming up as I need it. There are times where he'll speak a word into my spirit, and then I'll, he'll say, now go tell that person the word. And I'm like, well, can you make sure I remember it when I get to them? You know, so that I can tell them exactly what you're saying. And so he promised me that I would have complete and total healing, but it's not independent of him. See, we want the promise without the provider of the promise. We want the promise, but we don't want to have to walk it out. We just want the magic of God to bippity-boppity-boo. And all of a sudden, you know, everything we want. Here comes the husband. Here comes the, the promised child. But God said in order to, you know, a husband fi who finds a, a wife finds a good thing. And so before you can have a husband, you must first be a wife. He says, yeah, that's a promise of God. There are people that are saying, I'm waiting on the promise of God for my husband. But are you being a wife? Are you, with, are you married to Jesus? Are you in the word? Are you worshiping? Are you first a wife? You want the promise of a husband, but you don't want to do the work to be a wife. You know, there are many promises that God has in his word, and he's faithful to every last one of them. And so as I begin to come out of the coma, there was this long process. I, first I was in a wheelchair, and I thought, how am I going to walk again? I didn't even know how to crawl. I knew it in my brain. I knew that everyone knows how to crawl. But when they said, get on your knees and start to crawl, I couldn't remember how to do it. I was like, I know how to crawl. Then do it. I can't remember how. So there were these moments where I didn't wear heels because I didn't know how to walk in them. I was Whoopi Goldberg and, you know, <laughs> learning to walk in heels. And I, I, could, I was like a child. And so I thought, Lord, you promised me that you would heal me. This doesn't feel like healing. This feels messy. This, this feels, this, I'm afraid. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel lost in this brain that you, that you said you would heal. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And that promise is true. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's always with me. He's provided for me. There's so many promises in the word. All you need to do is grab your Bible and pick one and stand on the promise because he's not a man that he would lie. He doesn't need to swear to God. He is God. He swears to himself. And so there are some of you out there tonight that are still holding on to promises. You're saying, well, he hasn't delivered my promise. Here's a promise he's given me that has not come to, come to fruition yet. He promised me that my daughter would be saved. And because what he's done in my past, I look at that future and I don't even blink. I just go, go ahead and get your testimony, baby. Because God promised me that your name would be in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
He promised me. And so before I heard that promise, I was striving. She'd come into the house and I'd have the worship on. I'd be sewing crosses into her clothes. You know, I mean, you name it. As a mother, you know, you want your baby saved. And so I would be putting prophetic, you know, writing out scriptures and putting them underneath her mattress. I mean, I was crazy. I need my baby to be saved. But once the Lord promised me, your daughter's name will be in the Lamb's book of life. I have never looked back. I, I'm serious. If there are days where I think, oh, maybe I should pray for her. <laughs> you know, I would pray for her for hours, crying, pleading with the Lord. God, I need my daughter. What, what good is it if I'm out here saving people and getting them saved by your spirit and my daughter goes to hell? What, what good is that, Lord? And the minute he said, this is my promise to you. I never strive. I don't, you know, she told me the other day as she comes in with her little mini skirt on and her boobs all out to here. I said, oh, don't you look cute. <laughs> you know, I'm not going, oh my God, Jesus, please. I, nothing. It doesn't even phase me. You know, because I know what the Lord says about our, my daughter, just like your son. I know what he says. So I haven't shed a tear since the day that promise came into my heart. I said, Lord, I trust you because you've been good in my past. You'll be good in my future. You're the God of yesterday, today, and forever. You change not. And so, Lord, if you did it then, you'll do it here. And so I want to encourage you. For those of you that are holding on and saying, Lord, you promised me. I'm going to a wedding. She's right. I'm going to a wedding, wifey, because God is faithful. He's faithful. Amen. I hope that you found their testimonies and their words encouraging and bringing hope to whatever situation that you might find yourself in. You know, as they were talking, I was reminded of a couple of things, and, and the promise over you, I said this earlier, is that you and your household would know Christ. And if you've never accepted Christ into your heart, we want to give you that opportunity tonight. And we're going to step down in just a minute as Vinny plays and Amanda sings. And we're here to pray with you, to agree with you in prayer. And if you've never accepted Christ in your heart, all you have to do is come in and, and tell us. And we will walk you through that. But if there's other promises that you're taking hold of and that you're waiting for God and you need someone to agree with you and to settle peace in your heart that that promise will come to pass, we're here to agree with you about that also. Um, you know, David, he was promised king to be king. He was anointed and promised to be king. But there was an extended period of time where it looked the exact opposite of king. He was actually running from the throne because Saul was chasing him, and it looked like he was running in the opposite direction of what his promise was. But David did this thing, was he reminded God of who God was. He would say, God, you said this. God, this is who you are, so you're gonna, you got to make this happen for me. And there were times he was up and he was down in his emotions, but he continued to remember who God was. And like Pastor Adina said, God said it about her daughter. It's going to happen. You, you say, God, you said this. It's going to happen. So here we are. What do I need to do? What do you want me to do? 
You want me to sit here and pray? You want me to go talk to somebody? How do, what do you want me to do? What do I need to do be, to remain obedient and also walk out and see this promise fulfilled? And if you're in need of a promise, maybe you're like, I don't know what the promise is for me. Like Pastor Adina said, you pick up that Bible, it's filled with promises. His promises are yes, and our response is amen. It's yes and amen. And his promises is for you to live a whole and healthy, abundant life. He created you on purpose, for a purpose, to impact this kingdom. He created you to be mighty, mighty women who are the head and not the tail. Those are the promises. So if you're not walking or feeling that, let us agree with you in prayer so that you can take hold of those promises so you can walk in the destiny and the promises that he has set forth for you. Thanks for joining me on the Flourish podcast. You can find more information about Flourish Gathering at flourishgathering.co or hit us up on Instagram or Facebook. Make sure you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts so you don't miss another episode.